Um, this week we are going to jump back. Why'd you turn off? Ah. <laughs> We're going to jump back into Matthew. Um, last week, Lauren did an amazing job running our Worship Through Creation service. I was able to watch a live stream. Um, it was really fun. It was really powerful. I hope you guys got as much out of it as I know I did watching it. But you're stuck with me again today, back in Matthew. So, if you recall, last time we talked in Matthew, why, why do you hate me? There we go. We talked about the, story, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And if you remember, in the middle of it, Jesus tells a couple other parables and kind of has a little tangent, and then we jump into the interpretation of it. So two weeks ago, we talked about the blue stuff, the parable and the interpretation. We skipped this little bit in the middle. Now we're going to go back and talk about these couple verses in the middle, and you'll see why we skipped that and how, why, why our author chose to set this up like this to, other than just to be maddenly confusing. But, so let's start with, starting with verse 31. So Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it was the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that birds come and perch in its branches. Now, we've all heard this analogy before, right? Mustard seeds, real tiny. I know I have a big tub of mustard seeds somewhere in my house, and I cannot find it. I wanted to bring it in and be like, mustard seeds, real small. I, I have no idea where it went, but... So, picture of mustard seeds. Very small. They grow into kind of relatively large plants considering their seed size. This is something we've probably heard before. This is a very common analogy. But I want to ask a question. What do you think the interpretation of this parable is? Any? And I'm being kind of mean because it's kind of a trick question. But when you think of mustard seed, what, it, what do you instantly think of in the terms of the New Testament, in terms of Jesus talking about mustard seeds in parables? You mostly think of faith, right? That's the most common parable we think of. But that is 100% not what Jesus is talking about here. So this highlights something that we have to be careful of not taking something else that we've heard and imparting it into a different passage. Because Jesus does talk about a passage where he talks about all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed to move the mountain. Like that is something he just talks about. But notice, the first four words of this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And faith does come into it kind of tangentially here, but there's just something to kind of keep an eye on, because I know I did the same thing when I, when I was read through it, prepping it, I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about faith, it's this, and then stopped and read it and was like, no, no, he's not talking about faith. He's, the kingdom of heaven is the mustard seed. Like, that's what he's talking about here. So then what's the point of this parable? Well, it's about eternity, again, like the previous parable was. The, the wheat and the weeds was about eternity. This is about eternity as well. So this is getting at the idea that the kingdom of heaven is kind of small right now. Like the reign of Jesus, the coming of the age, eternity seems so distant, so small, almost hidden. But there'll come a time when it won't be, when it'll expand to be this, you know, mustard-sized plant, this huge, it'll, it'll encompass everything. I think it's just so fascinating that at this moment, the kingdom of heaven on earth is literally one person when this is being spoken. It's literally just Jesus. That is the kingdom of heaven on earth. But slowly over time, it'll build and build and build until the kingdom of heaven will be on earth. That's, you know, that's a whole different topic we could talk about, the eschatological side of the kingdom of heaven coming down and, you know, the new Jerusalem, all that fun stuff. But 
I just love the idea that right now the kingdom of heaven on earth is one person. It's Jesus. It's tiny. But then over time, it'll grow and grow and grow until it's everything. The kingdom of heaven will be here on earth, will be earth. I just love that idea. And this idea of it growing to this big tree that, you know, that birds perch in is a common analogy, common allegory for eternity in the ancient world. Um, the Old Testament has a number of times where this pops up. Um, Ezekiel 31 talks about this. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 4, where he has this dream of this great tree that builds up and birds are in its branches and such, is a common analogy for a fruitful, prosperous eternity. So that's why it's here, too. It's just, for whatever reason, again, that's a whole tangent we could go down, but for right now, it's just the idea of a big tree with birds perching in it is used as an analogy for a hopeful future, for a hopeful eternity, for forever. So, this is a parable, whoa, scroll too far. This is a parable that is really meant to inspire hope. That things might seem small, might even seem hidden, might seem like they're never coming, the kingdom of heaven. But it will. Because from the smallest things, the mightiest things will grow. From a single person, from Jesus, the kingdom of heaven will expand and descend down and be earth. The kingdom of heaven will be present here on earth. So then Jesus jumps into another quick parable. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it, worked, until it was all worked through the dough. A couple of things here I want to touch on real quick. Similar to the last one, the idea of yeast. When we think of yeast in terms of in the Bible, we often think of it negatively, right? That's often what we think of, even going back to Exodus. The idea of the unleavened bread, those who put, who put yeast in their bread were kicked out of the community. Jesus himself even talks about the yeast of the Pharisees, talks about it in a negative sense. But that's not exactly what's going on here. Because remember, starts, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. So it, the yeast can't be seen badly here if Jesus is saying it's the kingdom of heaven. So why are we using yeast? We'll get into that in a second. Next thing I want to touch on is this figure of the woman. She doesn't have any allegorical importance in the story. Um, there's been a lot of random interpretations of this. Some people have said, well, this is obviously meant to be Mary because she literally brings the yeast of heaven, Jesus, into the world. That, that, that's not what's going on here. Um, some people have claimed that this is the woman's supposed to be the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about Trinitarianism in this parable. That, no, that, that's not going on. I've even, I saw one interpretation, one commentator talked about, well, the, the woman here is obviously Lady Justice from the Old Testament, and it, this is a passage about justice. No, it's just, you just need a character in the story to, the yeast is the main part of the story. <laughs> um, next, this word mixed into. The best interpretation or best literal translation of this word is to hide. It's the Greek word kupitoro. Um, it literally means to hide. It's used a lot for, in Greek terms for baking, you know, in this case, mixed in. But it highlights, I think, something really cool. Say you have, say you use the dough recipe, the bread recipe that's on the back of the kid sheet there, and you make two batches. One of them you put yeast in, one of them you don't. 
as soon as you mix everything together, set it to proof and walk away, you're not going to know which one's which. They're going to look exactly the same because the yeast is hidden in there. You can't, you can't tell which one has yeast in it until it rises, until the yeast does what it's supposed to do. Until that'll come in here in a second here. But I just really like this idea that rather than mixed into, it's, it's, it's hidden in there. You don't know it's there until it does what it's supposed to do. Um, last thing to touch on here is this 60 pounds of flour. I love how this is just a single verse, but there are so many things packed tightly in here that people want to run with. Um, a literal translation of this in some passages will say three measures of flour. A measure is 20, so 20 times two, 20 times three is 60. I know math, see. Um, again, this doesn't really have a lot of allegorical meaning. Some people have tried to take this. There's a passage in Genesis that involves Abraham using three measures of flour or three measures of grain and such. You're like, oh, this is trying to link back to there. Uh, no. Um, some people have said, again, this is going back to the Trinity because there's, you know, three measures. So it, it, three, it must be talking about the Trinity. It, it, it's not. Uh, it's, it's nothing like that. What most commentators, and I would fall into this camp too, uh, think what is going on here is this is just a comically large amount of flour. It is just ridiculous how much flour, 60 pounds of flour, hitting at the idea that it's just this little bit, come on, why do you hate me? There you go. This little, little bit of yeast in a ridiculously large amount of flour is still gonna be enough to make it rise, still gonna be enough to do what it needs to do. Um, you could almost think of this passage if, if you want to do it as like a modern reading of it. You know, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman mixed into a boatload of flour and worked it throughout. It's just the idea of like, this is so much flour. Okay, all that out of the way. What's going on in this parable? Oh, that's not the right parable. Why do you hate me? We'll go there. What is going on in this parable? Same thing as in the previous one. This is about eternity. And it's hitting at the idea that the kingdom of heaven is kind of hidden right now. We can't really see, we, we don't really see it around us all the time. We can get glimpses of it, but it's almost unseen. But like the yeast in the bread, it's going to rise. It's going to do its work, and then you're going to see it. So it's, it, it's encouraging you right now. It's saying the kingdom of heaven, it's small right now. You might not see it, but it's there and it's working, and it's going to do great things. So after these two quick little parables, Jesus closes off, or I guess our narrator closes off by saying, Jesus spoke these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in, in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So this little aside here from our narrator is really serving two purposes. The first one is it's reminding us of the longer tangent they went on at the toward the beginning of this chapter. If you recall in verses 10 through 17, I posted a blog article about it. That is an extended section where our narrator asks, why is Jesus using parables? And kind of talks through that. The short of it is Jesus uses parables to make it as easy to understand so that the most people can understand what he's talking about. The rough equivalent would be like fairy tales today. So say you wanted to talk 
to a student, talk to one of your kids that's you know younger, maybe four or five, about hard work, about perseverance, about not judging others based on how they look, not being overconfident. That would that'd be a big conversation. Or you could just tell them the story of the tortoise and the hare. And they would kind of pick that up through that story, right? That's the, that's the idea here. So that's what Jesus is doing. That's what the intent of the parables are, is to take these kind of big, high-concept ideas and bring them down to a level that anyone should be able to understand. And I love the quote that they use here. So this is um, from Psalm 78. I'll just read this little passage here. This is Psalm 78, the first four verses. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, the Lord's power, and the wonders the Lord has done. This is just hitting at that same idea that this is not hiding, but trying to reveal. Jesus isn't trying to intentionally confuse us by using parables. Right, the opposite. He's trying to highlight these big ideas so we can hear them and remember them and be able to tell them to someone else, right? Because a quick story like the tortoise and the hare or one of these parables, we can remember really easy and becomes a great way to share, a great way to talk to someone else about these big ideas. Now, the second thing this passage is doing is acting as a transition between these two sections. So if you recall here, this passage is coming in the middle, kind of bracketed by the big parable, the parable of the weeds and the wheat, and its interpretation. Why are we in the middle here? Well, the end of this passage is talking about Jesus uses parables to not hide things, to highlight things, to make things easy for people to understand. Oh, and okay, I'll just give you an interpretation right here. So its, it's location in this passage is kind of creating a flow of, here's a parable, a, this could be hard, but we promise this is why Jesus is doing this, so you can understand it. Here's the interpretation of it. It's kind of laying out a roadmap, as it were. But this whole passage in the middle here, the question becomes, why is it in the middle? This is bad grammar. They're like, if I was an editor and I saw this, red pen would be all over this. Just no, you, you don't break up the story and the parable and the interpretation. Why would you do this? Well, I think it's in there intentionally. It's acting as a pause, a break. Because this parable, the one we talked about two weeks ago, the wheat and the weeds, it's a pretty intense parable. Like, the phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth is actually in it. Like, that's one of the places where that phrase comes from is this passage. It could be intense. It could be a little intimidating to talk about a passage that's talking about going to hell. So... We have these parables kind of in the middle, acting as an encouragement, reminding us that though we might not see what's going on, we might not see the positive, the kingdom of heaven, which is talked about in this parable, the, the first parable, the wheat and the weeds, though we might not see it around us, it's there. Have confidence. It's there. It's going to grow into unimaginable glory. So in a way, this is Jesus kind of pausing, sensing the room, or our editor here, sensing the room, seeing, okay, things are getting too intense. Let's just pause. 
Jesus is going to throw you a lifeline here. Jesus is reminding us that no matter what we go through, the intensity of this parable, that kind of like, oh no, kind of fear it might bring in, Jesus is with you. You might not see everything going on around you. We promise it's there. Jesus is there. The kingdom of heaven is there. Just keep keeping on. Keep working. Keep trusting. It's going to grow. I just think that its position here highlights all of that so much more, which is why this kind of whole unit is taken together. But our editor hates us, and so inserted this in there, but for the specific reason. The main parable highlighting the choice, highlighting the faithful and the faithless, highlighting good and evil, and promising great reward for the good, but warning of great damnation for the wicked. But then this passage comes in the middle here, just reminding us, Jesus has you. Just walk forward in faith. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's before you talking in this passage. It's going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing until it is that mustard seed. It's that massive loaf of bread that's going to come down, descend from the heavens, the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that should be inspiring. That should leave us excited. That should leave us so eager, so busting out of our seats to tell people about that. And that's really what this passage is about. Encouraging you in your faith. Encouraging you in your trust in Jesus. Encouraging you to go out and tell others about that. Can we do that this week? A little bit? Yeah? I, I, see, I see something else? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Join me as we pray.